Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listeners, and welcome to a slightly delayed episode 30 of the From the Finney podcast. I'm joined by Jimmy, George and Solly for this episode, and we've got the Coventry and Forest games to discuss, we've got club finances, Chris Kirchner, and a few other bits and bobs as well. So, enjoy! George, are you good mate? Yeah, very well. Good, good. Doing a Jimmy, channeling your best Jimmy impression here, sitting in the car. Yeah, taking inspiration. <laughs> Just stay <laughs> No, no noise. So, well, yeah, there is that. Ollie, are you good? Yeah, very well, thanks. Very well. Just um, full up from myself. Bed. What's it? You full up from your tea tonight? Yeah, big time. What have you had? I had a sausage surprise. <laughs> Stitch your eyes up there. Only said about three words. For those who are wondering, and the reference comes from um, EastEnders. Um, Stacy Slater, the ice skater, um, <laughs> she was known by her mother Jean, uh, always referred to her sausage casserole as sausage surprise, oh. so that's always stuck. Um, hence why I call it sausage surprise. What I was going to say before George rudely interrupted me was, um, I just wish people could see what George looks like now. He's out in the car, pitch black, wearing a black <laughs> hat, he looks like the rock. One of the robbers off um, Home Alone. Um, I thought he was doing so. his best Marshall Mathers impression, given that he's just watched Eight Mile and Eminem spends about ninety percent of that film in a beanie. Yeah, it does look <laughs> a little bit like uh, Eminem. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question really well, Jake. Thank you. Good. Well, well. <laughs> Two minutes in, we've had sausage surprise, Eminem, Home Alone. Well, you're about it, to get Emmerdale as well because um, <laughs> I've just. I've just had, um, I've just been, must be really interrupting me already, actually, but um, I've just had to interrupt watching um, Emmerdale, uh, he's on for an hour tonight, so I've been caught on the hop, so we're starting recording at about 22, so I'll have to catch up with the day new morning of tonight's Emmerdale episode, later um, on, so yeah, other than that, perfectly fine. Good. I didn't think people still watch shows in this day and age. Well, I've always thought it important to keep up to date with the events on the Yorkshire Dales, specifically Kane Dingle, one of my favourite characters. He hasn't he hasn't really been in um he hasn't really been in it ever. But um but yeah. Your power gone out. <laughs> 
I've had to move rooms. My brother's just coming now from work and he wants to put a darts board up in the bedroom. To be fair, I, I have it best for it to put it up. He's coming in a bit of a um, spate of fury, so I've had to move rooms. And to stop him from um, intervening on this podcast, what a start. What a start. Um, I think before we get into it, I just want to, and I'm sure you boys are going to echo everything I say, but obviously the sad news that massive, massive home and away North End fan Eileen Booth sadly passed away. Uh, just like to wish her friends and family my condolences. And obviously she was a much loved fan of the club. Uh, and everyone, I'm sure, has got their own memories of a woman who brought a smile to everyone's faces. So I'd just like to say rest in peace, Eileen. Yeah, she was amazing. She really was. Um... I worked in a ticket office for about two or three years and she was someone that would come in regularly. Um, she was on coach one and I think she had her seat reserved at the front of coach one. Um, and I think you saw with the reaction yesterday, like all ages, all different ages of, of fans knew who she was. She was just, you'd hear her before you, sit, you saw her, but she was always laughing, always smiling and just someone who would, if you're having a bad day, she'd improve it or if you're having a, good day she'd just make it even better because she was just she was really good really class um i think she had a paper round um until like she until she got ill a few years ago she'd do that once a week she spent the whole day doing it like talking to people just a really good sort of person yeah wonderful character um everybody will have their own memories of eileen um mine's my fondest memory of i of Eileen was at uh, Bournemouth on the last day of the 2013 season, 12-13 when she was uh, warming up with the players dressed as a horse and jockey, um, like screeching neigh and horsey noises. It was um, uh, it was a wonderful moment. Wonderful woman, so full of life, lived life right to the full. Uh, I think her husband was actually a Blackburn Rover supporter. Yes, so I bet that household was fun. Um, uh, but no... Um, really upset me that uh, yesterday uh, to learn the news. Uh, a wonderful woman, uh, and now with the gentry. So, rest uh, in peace, Eileen. Um, a wonderful human being who will live long in the memory for sure. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I'm sure. Uh, well, we'll be joined by Jimmy at some point in the next sort of, well, <laughs> five minutes or twenty minutes. I don't know. Um, I think he's he's just got a few child issues, but I'm sure when he comes on, he'll have again his own memories and own things that he'd like to say about Eileen. But um, we'll start with the Forest game, boys. I think outside of the first ten fifteen minutes when they started like a bat out of hell, they they offered very little, really, didn't they? I thought it was a little bit like the weekend, really. We don't start very well, do we? At all. I think it's now. Two goals in 15 first halves under low, um, which is well below the league average. Um, yeah, we just don't tend to start start games well. Um, Nottingham did. Uh, we were quite sloppy, quite poor. But then we did what we did at the weekend as well. We we started to get the grip of the game. We quieted, quietened the respective supporters down. Um and we had a grip in the game and you know look um, it's one of them where we had we had the chances to go on and win both games but um, yeah Nottingham was was an incredibly Moorish nil-nil it was one of the best nil-nils I've ever seen really um, a really enjoyable game um, Archer's chance 
wow, I struggled to sleep on Tuesday night because um, it just kept going over and over in my mind. But, you know, it's going to happen. How old is he? 20. Uh, good chance, but... Two chances, yeah. wasn't there? Two, I know, one, one was arguably yeah, better one... than the other, but... Yeah, one was more clear-cut than the other. Um, but, yeah, by his lofty standards, he may expect to score both. Um, but, yeah, um, we didn't start well, uh, that's for sure. It's something that Lowe will have to figure out why and, and sort out soon because we can't keep on being a second-half team forever. And also, we're not just a second-half team, we're a second-half of the second-half team as well. We tend to score later if we're going to score. I'm starting to wonder if it's done by design because it's every game, really. We, we don't really look to have the, the intent in the first 15 minutes. Like, Lowe is a Liverpool, big Liverpool fan, isn't he? And he will have seen the way they start games and you'd think if he, if he felt he had the tools to really fly out the traps at teams, he'd do it. But we seem more sort of geared towards conserving our energy and keeping it tight and then sort of having a real go in the second half. So I'm not sure. We'll have to see next season after a full summer if he gets the players he wants, if we if that changes. But it doesn't. we don't look like a team coming out to really try and blow a team away, do we, at the moment? No, and it's not really happened, I think. Barring that first season under Alex, I don't think we've ever really seen that since from from a North End side. Granted, I don't think it's been quite as... I don't want to say bad, because that makes it sound like things are really shit at the minute, and they're not as far from that, but I don't think it's ever been quite as... um... I wouldn't say it's a massive issue, because I think in second half, we've tended to be the better team. We've seen it the last couple of games. We've not started particularly well, but certainly finished the better and I think last two games should have been six points and it's infuriating because I worked it out and if you'd have, say you beat Forest and got a draw against Reading which you know we'd have gone into that game wanting to win we'd have been right up there but I think Solly alluded it alluded to it in his column today that it was always going to be a tough ask for Lowe um, you know coming in I think where were we 18th sort of 17th 18th 19th but it is frustrating because we're playing teams that are up there and there's no way they're better than us. Um, but I think I think the mountain is just a bit too steep to climb given the, the time he's had coming in the start of December. But uh, certainly more positives than negatives and the Forest game I thought was a really good performance after they sort of had the better of us in the first 10 minutes. I think we were the better team for the rest of that game. You could argue that, well, again... Um, I alluded to it in my column today without wanting to plug it ridiculously. I was going to say, that's um, two in about 30 seconds. <laughs> where, where can people find the column, Sally? Well, you can find it on Twitter, you can find it on Facebook, you can find it you know, online. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, some would argue that it's four points dropped. I think it's a cynical view that. I think, um, I think Nottingham Forest were one of the form teams in the league. Uh, and still possibly are. I think uh, Coventry, especially at home, the home record's outstanding. I've not got the numbers in front of me. Jimmy, most likely, will he? A real stat man. So, um, but, yeah. Uh, Coventry at home, not many teams have gone there and got a result. The runaway leaders, Fulham went there and got hammered early on in this season. Um, so, you know, and we played really well in those games. Those are the positives to take. We can really compete with the team's 
higher up chasing those playoff places. Um, but perhaps just on that note as well, I think we all know just how weak this league is this season. So, you know, appointing Frankie McAvoy looks a worse appointment by every game we see because, you know, if we go out and be proactive and get Ryan Lowe in, in the in the summer, then who knows what happens. But that's just that's just all conjecture. Um, but, you know, it, we may be made to rue those decisions. Again, a bit of conjecture almost, but... And it largely depends on who comes down. But do you see the league being as weak next season? Um, no, not really. Look at the teams in the top six, really. Um, I don't think... I think Bournemouth started really well, but I don't think they're anything scared of. I think Fulham are obviously an incredible team that are storming, going to storm to win the title. But look at the teams at third to, to six. It's like... It will feel like a bit of a missed opportunity, but we've just got to think that we're we're on the up ourselves um, and back ourselves to have a go next year. Whoever comes down, um, interesting. The bottom of the Premier League at the moment. I'm not sure who who it will be because Burnley have picked up and Leeds have changed manager. Newcastle look like they're going well, but I'm sure we'll have a lovely trip to Norwich again to look forward to. Um, see what they're made made of, and looks like Wigan and Rotherham will be back up. Um, not going to be scared of them, are you? So yeah, see what happens. Yeah, we're going Rotherham, two uh, two real ranked places to go. Um, you know, working class areas. They're always up for the football. They tend to have half decent atmospheres. I think our our recent record at Rotherham is quite poor, so it's always a bit a little bit of a banana skin going there. Wigan, our recent record will be good. Alex Neil never lost those local games, but they always want to beat us for some reason. They're a real real odd bunch there, aren't they? Um, you know, they're always up for a game against us. So, yeah, you've got to be clever. You've got to be good to get out of League One. It's a good league. Um, some some quite good teams down there, especially this season. Um, you know, we argue that our league's quite poor. I think, I think theirs is quite good and competitive. What that says about the, uh, the difference in quality between sort of the playoffs of the Championship and, and the playoffs of League One, I don't think there'll be a great deal in it. Um, you know, Hull, Peter have come up. They've not been great. Uh, Blackpool have held their own. They're fine. Uh, again, they're a decent home side. Uh, but, yeah, um, I agree with George. I think the standard early will be better next season. Um, at Rotherham, quite likely to come up. Likewise, Wigan. Um, and they'll be sterner tests than, than those that came up last season with Blackpool, the exception. Especially travelling to there. A Sun- an Alex Neal-led Sunderland coming up, do you reckon? Great result so. out, but I think we mentioned that guy's name too often and there'll be uproar, won't there? So keep that one on the on the quiet, maybe. Yeah, nobody's allowed to mention that Alex Neal unless Anthony Gordon's involved and then free reign. <laughs> mention Alex Neal you like. You know, <laughs> Anthony Gordon wasn't good enough to play in all but one of Alex Neal's games, was he? Interesting. Moving on. Yeah, Coventry, you boys are going to have to talk to me about that because I was out on the lash. It was just sickening, honestly, weren't it? Really was. Um, but I think Solly's tweet after the game summed it up for me. Nothing but pride, I think he tweeted um, rather beautifully. Um, and it was it was horrible to take, but we were great um, in that second half. And 
should have won, deserved to win. Yeah. Um, first half, first, first half was a half of two halves. Um, the first 20 minutes, the home supporters were bouncing. Rico Arena is a really odd ground. It's, it's, it's lovely to view, but it's a big, a massive ground, really, of like tall stands. I think it goes up to UU, uh, the amount of rows. Um, my mental arithmetic's not that great, so um, I can't work that out in terms of how many rows. But um, yeah, um, it's, it just feels like a massive away end. Um, and when you're taking uh, the best part of 3,000 supporters, it's tough to get your supporters really tight knit and thus make a stylish atmosphere. Contrary, you've got it spot on. Uh, they've got like a. a uh, a balmy section that just goes off at the start of the game. You know, it's it's ram-packed in one corner. The rest of the ground looks empty. But, you know, they've got it right. that They're able to get an atmosphere going. And that reflected the events um, on the pitch. First 20 minutes, North End supporters struggled to get any sort of atmosphere going, any sort of noise going from their perspective. And North End couldn't get a foothold in the game. Whereas Coventry supporters were bounced and the team were playing really well. And we were perhaps lucky not to go behind. I know they didn't necessarily have a clear-cut chance, but Mark Robbins will look back on that sort of interlude and be annoyed that his team haven't made us pay there. Um, we got a grip of that after about 25 minutes. We had uh, we had some decent chances. Chad Evans springs to mind, doesn't it? Um it's a good save by Moore, but you'd be expecting better. I love Chad. I love what he does off the ball and, and holding the ball up back to goal. I just wish he had that little bit more quality in front of goal at the moment. Um, but, yeah, uh, the first half was um, was good, and then it was all one-way traffic for me after that. They looked two-foot in the second half. They didn't create anything over that inspired goal. Um, we were brilliant second half. That midfield was, was a joy to behold, I felt. Yeah, you were... It was the second half where you just knew a big chance was going to come and I thought when Evans rolled it across to Archer that was going to be it but his first touch took him a bit wide and Evans at the post and that that's when you know it's not quite going for you and it, it is frustrating with Evans because he's got the mobility to get into the final third whereas someone like Kevin Davis who'd offer so much off the ball he, he couldn't but Evans does does find himself in decent areas and at the moment he's just lacking that uh, that sort of final touch Um but he puts so much effort into other aspects of the game and starts moves on his own and brings others into it that he's well worth his place in the side. And it was it always felt like a game where Reese could come on and really hurt them. And I've just watched the highlights before. The run is like is unbelievable how powerful he is and he just gallops past blue shirts like they're not even there. It's a really good goal. And uh I was trying to think when the last sort of sucker punch was against us in like really late, that late. And I couldn't think of a sort of, was it Reading a few years ago where we dropped the ball in the 97th minute. Um, and it's just, they never get any easier to to take, especially when you felt like you're in such control. Um, you know, I fully expected us to see the points home. But it's just a piece of quality, isn't it? Um, I think it's that lad's second appearance this season or something. Um one of those you just got to sort of say fair play towards, but really tough for us to take. Yeah, the only gripe you could have really would be uh, in terms of uh, them scoring was us getting ourselves into a position where you have to make the foul. Andrew Hughes has to take him down. But to get into that 
position, it's just a little bit frustrating. You maybe lack a little bit of composure. They didn't look like scoring all the second half. They didn't look like even, you know, getting near to. Um, and then all of a sudden they've got a set piece that we deal with fine originally. The first contact when the ball goes into the box, we defend it okay, and it's a it's a quality goal. Uh, but you know, if you are going to have a gripe, it would be just giving that free kick away there. It's like oh, for, you know, I think I think everybody had that feeling that we're in bother here. Yeah, I think the big thing for me was that it wasn't Andrew Hughes's fault. You know, Barney's give away the free kick. But leading up to the free kick, we had a chance to clear it and we started trying to play. And we should have just put a foot through it, put it into touch, you know, wind down the clock if you want to call it that, you know, put it out for throwing on the halfway line rather than trying to play out from the back. And then when we lose the ball, we put ourselves in a situation we don't need to be in, do we really? And I think it's not Hughes's fault. He has to take the man. I think watching it, I don't know if the guy's already going to ground and Hughes goes with him. Um, it's one of those like really where going to a tangle with him, didn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was like coming together. But you know, like you say, it was just one of those where you knew the curse of Coventry was going to continue. When um, the, as soon as it left his foot, I thought, "Oh no!" But God, how many times have we been there though in the past? 10, 15 years where I've been done by a late goal. That JPT game and just like, oh, two in added time there. That was the last time I went to Rico, weren't it, I think, potentially. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, two in added time there. The ball in the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So two in added time there and then one of the 98th minutes yes, on Saturday. I'm like, oh, God. We won in League 1-0. Two nil. Did we not? The clock. I forgot. Yeah, it was um, last time we went there though. Oh, Lee Holmes! Uh, Lee Holmes scored. Mm, possibly that was that was the same season. JPT again, was it? Is that not the same season? We went up. I'm sure we won two 0 there. Might be wrong. I think last time we played him in the league was um, when we played him at Northampton. Yeah, that's not a bad shout. When um, when Bale scored that absolute ridiculous strike. <laughs> I seem to recall us hitting them with a last-minute equaliser. Was it winner? The year we went down. It was barely right again, wasn't it? That was at Deepdale, though. Last time we played him, so hold on, 2014, 2 0. Just trying to find out who scored. I've not my Wi Fi, that would help, wouldn't it? Tom Clark and Garner. Ah. That was 14 15 season. That was at their place. Um, that was actually at the Rico. Still find it weird not calling it the Rico, by the way. Yeah. And then before that, it was that infamous night in 2013. Mm. Anyway, hi everyone, by the way. Um, I don't know how much <laughs> of the pod of you you've recorded. I'm just uh, decided to gate crash, and uh, now my child has had a bagel. Ridiculous. <laughs> um, one thing that I will bring up that we've already covered just in case you uh, wanted to say anything yourself Jim was just obviously touching on the sad news about Eileen Booth oh mate what a character what a character the, um, you know what I think the club statement said everything you need to, to say I mean they just won't make many more like Eileen Booth so um, yeah heartfelt condolences to the family and um, 
all the friends and the people that knew her from coach one and I suppose they're just going to miss her antics on the final day of the season and during the season as well with a with a smile and um, just a general persona really I mean she's just full of beans full of life and um, I think anyone who came into contact with her just like you had a smile on your face didn't you so it's um, yeah really sad news um, yeah so yeah yeah um, we've already covered Forest. obviously we've just done Cov mm-hmm. unless you've got anything you want to say on those two Jim then we can go to a break and it'll be time for you to shine in part two Oh God, I've done absolutely no prep as well. Um, <laughs> Coventry game, I thought, I, I, I'm sure, sorry, I know sorry touched on his piece today, but my word, that place was bouncing. That is the best atmosphere I've heard at away ground in a long time. And Quality. let's just, let's just have it right. They're not plumb them lot. They are like, there's something in the water <laughs> down there that makes them absolutely just, just not plumb. I'm like, well, the two lads invading the pitch, and then there was a third who got rugby tackled at the corner. Like, I thought, the hell's going on here? I'm like, it, but the atmosphere, like that first 20 minutes when they were playing well and it was bouncing, I was like, what? God, this is this is class, you know. And 19, what was it, 19 and a bit on? It's like, fair yeah. play, but yeah, odd bunch. We haven't really spoken about the pitch invaders, have we? I was just going to say that. It was just weird. And then the one that ran back into the side of the stand, I don't know if you've seen the video that's knocking about, and his mates put him back in, and then they start, then his mates go for the Stuarts. I'm like, oh no. Like when you watch it. But Christ, get a grip of him. I thought the Stuarting was poor, to be fair, like in terms of that. Like they just didn't have any control over anybody. I'm like, it was just it was a free fall, weren't it, basically? And yeah. Um <laughs> I just don't have the words. I just don't have the words. It's just it was just mental. Yeah. Um I thought they gave uh, the good pitching raiders a bad name, really. I thought um <laughs> There's no such thing as a good pitch invasion. Unless it's the last day of the season no, I, and no, you I get think, promoted. I, th- I, th- I think invading the pitch is wrong, obviously. But also, I don't know, I think there's something quietly, you know, like somebody fighting the good fight when they do it. Not not in that situation running on the pitch and trying to, you know, distract Daniel Johnson from ever taking a penalty because that that's just ridiculous. You're never going to distract him. And plus, why would you run on and do that anyway? It's bizarre, but like when your team scores and... You just you have that sort of split split time where you completely lose the plot. I think um, I think I think sport in general's got an odd obsession with labelling these people like absolute criminals. But I suppose that's a debate for another day. I thought um, the invaders were absolute idiots on Saturday. Yeah, I think what's it called? The their manager. I don't know if you've touched on Mark Robbins at all, but. Um... He, he hit it right after the game. Like you've got to earn the right to to grace this field, grace this pitch. Yeah. You know, don't just run on. And I'm not being funny. If you're going to invade the pitch, trying to distract the penalty taker, he's got nowhere near the ball. No, no idea, DJ. The, really? Surely that's the first thing you go for is the football. You don't go. You yeah. don't just run around the centre circle like an abbot. 
You know, say right. the other week, I think was it not Accrington? Rotherham, well, Accrington, Rotherham. Yeah, yeah. Someone yeah. booted now, the ball. But I think that set the precedent of of people now thinking, oh, it's late on in the game, it's nil nil. Let's invade the pitch. Let's make ourselves look like dickheads. Like, but that's that's because that got exposure. Because obviously Accrington then missed the penalty at one nil. It's like I, I I just worry that it's now going to happen. Yeah on more frequent occasions because people just can't behave themselves this season. But, um, yeah. But what has to go through your head, though, to actually do that? Not a lot, quite clearly. Imagine that to do what? Thinking I'm going to, I'm going to run on the pitch, like actually run on the pitch on purpose and like run around and just. Well, there's clearly not a lot between the two ears, is there? You know what I mean? It's like, you've got to be a bit, in the midst of celebration, you can get. I, I, I have sympathy if you get sort of pushed on, but like yeah. just like that. If it's limbs and like you get pushed on or, or like accidentally, then the sort of mitigating circumstances to a degree. I, I know it's breaking the law because it's uh, going on to encroach onto the field of play. Accidentally which, makes it sound like if you've caught him, like your partner cheating, and they're like, "Oh, sorry, I just tripped and fell over." and Bit of a strange oh, analogy. Cool Bit of a strange analogy. But if you <laughs> if if you like giving it bigger, good limbs at front of a stand, and all of a sudden you get a bit of a, a, a nudge, and you fall over the advertising audience, and next minute on the pitch, it's like, oh no. But yeah, to run around the centre circle and not have a clue what you're doing, and just think, yeah, I'm making myself look a knob, then you've got to be a bit daft. I think yeah. there's a deeper issue than that. I think um, I think oh, look the Coventry pitch invasion is really it's like that's not even a pitch invasion actually like that is just ridiculous why why that would go through your mind but I think Solly I think you nailed it about a minute ago when you said this is a debate for another time because it's certainly okay. not for now <laughs> um, yeah boys I think we'll go to a break and I'll see you in part two. Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. We are going to have a chat about the club finances, Chris Kirchner's interest in the club, and we'll finish off by looking ahead to Saturday's game against Bournemouth as well, so enjoy. Yeah, Jim, it's at this point of the podcast that I, uh, I hand over to you, given that you are a resident finance expert. I would definitely not call myself that. Spreadsheet geek or numbers idiot, yeah, finance expert, definitely not. Take the good things when they come. <laughs> Silence. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I heard a noise. I was trying to work out if it was something in my house or just like rain or something. Not sure. Anyway, yeah. So the the um, the accounts came out. Mm, they weren't pretty reasonable, to be honest. Lost no. just shut, just shy of thirteen point six million. Um, and this was for the this. This was for the season, season wasn't it? Yeah, this was for the full season behind closed doors. So basically, the it was our accounts run to the thirtieth of June. 
so it's like the 1st of July 2019 to the 30th of June 20. No, no, sorry, first, let me start again. This is from the 1st of July 2020 when we were already locked up to the 30th of June 2021. Um, so, full season behind closed doors. I have quite a few games because obviously when we came back after lockdown, we only kicked, we came back in sort of June, July, didn't we? So, there's a few games included in that sort of TV money and um, what it costs as ticket revenue. Um, obviously, I fully purchased this. But yeah, we only made like 550 grand off ticket revenue, which actually surprised me. I thought that was quite good, um, given that no one was in the grounds. We still made 550 grand off ticket revenue, it was pretty decent. Um, there'll, there'll be an element of that as well. There were people that were purchased the season tickets and didn't ask for a refund or whatever yeah, it was, absolutely. But you know, TV revenue was 84% of our entire turnover, so that's how reliant we are on TV money. Um, that shot up from 63% the year before, so usually you're probably going to be looking about 63 65% for us, but to be 84% last year was alarming. Um, staff cost rise again, understandable as well, given the circumstances. Yeah, yeah of course it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, especially because it's that was our main source of income, isn't it? Really, TV money. Um, so, you know, TV money went up to just shy of 9 million, which is the highest it's ever been. So, yeah, positives, that's one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're spending about £22 million a year on wages for the entire football club, which has gone up again, gone up, well, it's £22.8 million, so gone up £2.8 million on the year before. So 216% of our... Um, Turnover was spent on wages. So for every hundred pound we got in the in the pot, we spent two hundred and sixteen pound on wages. So anyone that can do a bit of basic maths realizes that that's not sustainable. Um, I think it's really interesting because you know we're one of the first championship clubs to release our accounts. There's going to be worse accounts out there than ours, and you know once again we we're, we're thankful for the the owner, the family. Um, I mean, they put in what eight point nine million in share issues for that year to sort of cover a little bit of the loss. Um, there's no sign of the Grove Mall loan within the accounts, which I found really interesting. Um, so hopefully it'll be in the Deepdale PNE Holdings accounts when they come out, which is like the ultimate parent company of North End. Um, if you look at structure like Grove Mall and Wardon Limited, like the other companies within the Hemmings family that own North End. They're based in other man, so you can't readily get hold of their accounts. Um, so yeah, it's one of those where you look at it and think it's bad, but it could be a lot worse. So you say that, and some people might think, "How could it be worse than spending two hundred and sixteen pound of every hundred pound that comes in on wages?" But that, but that, I, that's not going to be the worst in the division. I think that's probably going to be. You know what? We were at 169 Yeah, one hundred seventy nine percent the year before. So that was that. You know, which was poor, but it was about the eighth worst in the league. Two hundred sixteen. I don't think it's going to be the worst. Anyway, near the worst, because if you think about, it, there's a lot of clubs out there that have got a bigger wage spend than us, and their turnover has just been basically stripped bare. So if you think of the clubs like. Um, I don't know, we use Fulham as an example. It's probably a bad example to use, but you know, their TV money, in fact, don't use Fulham because they were in the Premier League that season. If you lose, uh, 
Middlesbrough. That's probably a good example to use with Steve Gibson there. You know, they're getting 18, 19, 20,000 on a week. Their wage bills sort of through the roof because they paid good money there. And then all of a sudden you lose all that ticket revenue and you're starting to pay your players an absolute buck. You know, that's going to be an alarming one. Obviously, Steve Gibson put, you know, does chuck a lot of money in anyway. Um, Bristol City will be another one. Pay good money. Without fans, you know, it, it sort of kills their accounts. You know, and there's quite a lot of talk that seven or eight clubs are close to the FFP threshold or what is what it was, but FFP is now called Profit and Sustainability. So I've probably already made people go to sleep already. So if you're talking about money, but it's just one to keep an eye on, especially with all the uh, talk off the pitch at the minute, which I know we'll come on to. Yeah, we'll come on to that now. I think how, obviously, since Trevor's untimely passing, there's always sort of been whispers about the club being up for sale. I think one of you asked me to ask Peter about it when I had him on the podcast over Christmas, uh, and naturally he was very, very coy um, at the time. But how much of a story do you think the finances tell in terms of where the club are at and needing to look for new, oh, maybe not new ownership, but investment and, well, yeah, a new owner? It's not an infinite. It's not an infinite pot of money that Trevor's left, is it? You know, especially for the football club that loses money every year. You know, I think if you look at it from a business point of view, which the family have got to do ultimately. Um, you know, this is a company that's lost thirteen point six million last year, six point six point three five million the year before, eleven million the year before that. She's talking about thirty-one million quid of losses in the last three years. Like that's just that's just losses, and then within those three years as well, the family's put in eight point nine million, six million, and six point six million in share issues. So <laughs> that that's can't happen long term. So it's twenty-one million pounds worth of share issues, give or take. Probably, but it's more than twenty-one million, as well as losing thirty-one million pound. Uh, alarm bell, quite a big one ringing, especially if you're, if, you know, I know Craig's the chairman, but ultimately it's a family business now, so it's a family, it's a family interest. It, you know, what's to say that the family want to cut losses? You know, say right, well, I, you know, and I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but it's like right, we'll write the share, the, the loan off, you know, because there's fifty million quid worth of loans to go of more, like for the next owner who comes in. And like, I don't know if that's like a soft loan. It's like about pairs back if you get to the Prem, which if they say that, then fair enough, because then they've loaned them the club 50-odd million quid. It's not exactly changed. They find down the back of your sofa, is it? It's a bloody lot of money. Um, It's like losing 30 million quid. Christ. That, you know, I, 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 when I say that, I think 30 million quid and then realise what 30 million quid is. That's a bloody lot of money. You know, and... I think it's going to run out that pot that Trevor's left the club ultimately. And, you know, I think a new owner will come in. I, I think before next summer, it might be Kirchner, it might not. But ultimately, I think we do need to be looking for one. I was going to say, is it is it no surprise to you to see all this talk and, and interest in the club at the minute? Surprise it took this long? Yeah. Um, As in, sorry, sorry yeah, could... this long since... 
Trevor passed. Even when Trevor, even when Trevor was still here, I'm, I, I, you know, I, I'm surprised that there hasn't been talk of, you know, serious talk of ownership change before. And you know, what's to say that it's, you know, and that could have been an investment. That could have just been someone coming in and putting buying twenty percent of the club or buying whatever. You know, I, I think for for too long we've been like so reliant on Trevor's money and it's like that that's always going to run out sooner or later you know it's not infinite yeah you're right in the fact that this day was always coming uh, whether Mr Hemmings was alive still or not um, I think we as supporters perhaps especially when he was alive underestimate how much he loved the football club you mentioned there about the money that, that he was willing to lose Jim you know, it's a, it's a ridiculous amount of money. I know he's a billionaire, or was a billionaire, uh, and he had a lot of money. But to be willing and to have the love to lose that amount of money um, and want to keep the club going year on year, I think, you know, just week by week, I get more enthralled to, uh, to Trevor Hemmings. Um, and, of course, um, we all knew that this day was going to come eventually. And it will come eventually when the Hemmings era ends. Eventually um, when the Hemmings era ends. Here we double. Here myself. Yeah, we will. <laughs> Sorry, I completely lost where I were. Um, when the Hemmings era ends. Um, and that's why I feel a little bit uneasy uh, about it because, you know, you, you uh, question why. Why would anybody want to come in and uh, run us? I know, I know, we're a relatively attractive proposition, debt-free, but that's only because Trevor Hemmings made us debt-free. You know, we've got we've got the history and we've got the ground, but it's not as simple as that, is it? You know, this new owner will will have to incur money going out of his bank to keep us in a stable position. So, yeah, substantially. Yeah, yeah, this is so. The, and the only way of making us profitable as a club is well, there's two ways really. It's you know it's sort of the Brentford model in terms of bringing players in, sell you know for relatively cheap prices and selling them big. Or it's taking that massive step up that only three clubs can take every year. You know, and those three clubs tend to be the ones that are already heavily financially backed by the evil of parachute payments. Yeah, so, we're, we're at a disadvantage already because you know most of the clubs have had those have had those payments already. Mm. So that makes it even difficult and even like an even worse project to take on. Really, I mean, so, look at look at league table. Right, who's not been in the Premier League in our league? Is it just Luton, us, and Peterborough? Without having the league table in front of me, Bristol City, I think. No. What? They not been in the top so. flight since '92. I think. Yeah, I think George is right with Bristol City. Possibly, I thought they'd. I don't know why, but I thought they had a year there. But anyway, Millwall. Millwall, yes, that would be carnage, wouldn't it? Um, so we've got four clubs, potentially five. In terms of that, it, it's only getting harder and harder to get out of the league like how many clubs there are you dealing with that are going to be re- I know not all recently but 
the vast majority of them will be reaping the benefits of parachute payments and that just makes it a harder task for clubs like North End. It, it's frightening, like, what Brentford, the 50th clubs to play in the Premier League. You know, and not mind that, there's some big boys up there, but then you look in League One, you know, the likes of Charlton and Portsmouth and Bolton and Ipswich, Sutherland. you know, the, you know those aren't even in the playoffs. You, know, you go into the playoffs yeah. and it's like Wigan have been there, Sunderland have been there, Sheffield Wednesday spent a long time in the Premier League. You know, it's, it's so difficult for clubs to be in with a shot of those three promotion berths. You know, you need A, a great squad, a good manager, a lot of luck, you know, to be able to get there. I mean, what was that stat that I read about West Brom the other day? They haven't finished lower than the playoffs since 1999 in the that's championship. Incredible. That's ridiculous. That's, 20, that that's incredible. like 24 years, 23 years of consistently finishing either the top six of the championship or in the Premier League. I'm like, and they're what? 12th? Well, they were 13th going into today, weren't they? But there's no other minute. So, the 12th in the championship. It's like, as well, and look at that squad. Like, look at the money they're spending on those players and, that, and the manager. Right. And the, the 12th in the league. It's like, what the hell? You know, and we're competing, we're, Competing and a lot of the time, you know, getting results at places like that. You know, Luton, look at Luton. God, that, that I look at him with a large degree of envy. The fact that seven points out of us with two games down and the six in the league. I mean, sort of showing us all how to do it, aren't they? Really? Yeah, they've got a good coach there. Well, well, are they a well-run club? I wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily. Yeah, very well run. The finances, very well run. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they must be. Um, Nathan Jones there. Yeah. Um, a lesson to us all but also it comes back to the point that we made before you were on Jim that that despite the names in the league and the clubs in the league the, the standard of the league this season isn't anything to be fearful of one bit I said something today where it's like from 3rd to 20th don't think there's much in it no no that's really really strange it's, it's all a bit of form a little bit of a run and you're right up there and you can even extend that to league like the League One playoffs or the top ten of League One, there's not a great deal in it from tenth in League One to, you know, tenth in the Championship at all, really. Mm. Good so piece on the, Go on, sorry, yeah, good piece on the Athletic today about Luton, just in terms of like how they've rebuilt from, I suppose, being kicked out of the Football League in 2008 when they went into the Conference on all these points deductions when they went into administration, but since then I think they've bettered year on year on year on year. So like for 11, 12 years now, they've, they've basically bettered themselves every year. Just quite a an inspirational read, actually, in terms of like how they how it's possible, you know. And it's not exactly the biggest club in the world, is it? Luton probably got similar attendances to us. And yeah, they've probably got a different catchment in terms of being on the M1 and being close to London, but it's fair play to them. Yeah, very much so. In terms of Kirchner, then what what's you? What's all your thoughts on the possibility of Chris Kirchner owning the club? I know, obviously, being so reliant, being so used to the Hemmings family and Trevor himself being at the helm of the club, it I think it's natural that there'd be an element of worry to an extent amongst the fans, but where do you boys stand on it? Um, Obviously, 
I much prefer the warm embrace of of the Hemmings era, but that that doesn't mean that you know Chris Kirchner couldn't come in and you know we go on some fairy tale ride. All all I more or less ask for is is for you know to have a team to go and support every week that's not inundated with debt or risk of going out of business or risk of not being there at all. Um, and the Hemmings era have done that with aplomb. We've had some great times in the last 10 years when they took full control. Um, so obviously, it's natural to have reservations of uh, and to ask questions, why, why us, um, why do we want to get into it, etc. But, you know, uh, again, it's all conjecture, isn't it? Because he could come in and he could spend all his money and we could have great times. We could go on and, and do loads of stuff. Um, but I know it's a difficult question. Um, but my gut feeling is of unease. But that's maybe because of the of the warm embrace of the last decade. Yeah, I think whether it's Chris Kirchner or whether it's somebody else who comes in, I think the only thing, the big, two big things I'm, I'm probably looking for is A, stability. And the fact that, you know, we're still here as a club and stable as a club long term. The second one's probably something a little bit different and it's don't be afraid to try something new. Um, I think as a football club, we've done what we've always done for a long time in, in a lot of aspects. You know, we've only seen a lot of improvements over the last probably six to 12 months in terms of doing things a little bit differently. And I think that's something that's really key for the next ownership and the next ownership model. Um, you know, don't be afraid to do something a little bit different outside the box, change things up a little bit, as long as it's not to the detriment of what happens on the football pitch. Because at the end of the day, what happens on the football pitch is the most important 90 minutes of some people's weeks. Um, so, yeah, we've got to make sure that that side of things is stable. You know, we remain a championship club that's punching above its weight. It for a large majority of the season, you know, what are we now? 13th, 12th, whatever it is. No one expected to be in this position at this moment in time, but I think you've got to credit the manager and you've got to credit the people at the football club for making the change that they, that was necessary at the time they did. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's a great opportunity for someone to come into North End because look how well set up it is as a football club. Yes, it's losing money. And you could probably say, well, you're just contradicting yourself a little bit there, which I probably have, but there's a great opportunity at North End for the right man to take, or the right lady, whoever has got the money, basically. Don't care who it is. As long as they've got money and they've got the right attitude and vision for the football club long-term. And let us know about the vision as well. You know, Don't just say, oh, we've got a plan. Well, engage us with it. Yeah, yeah, engage with because well, if it's a five year plan and it's going to take us five years to get where we want to, yeah, of course, you're probably going to get held to account if by year four we're you know in the bottom six of the championship. It's like, oh, well, that's gone wrong. But engage us with it and actually get you know, allow people to get behind your vision and plan as well. Because you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, you know, so we don't expect instant success. Whoever comes in next, you know, whether it's Chris Kirchner, whether it's you know, Donald and Daffy Duck, it doesn't really bother me. It's a case of who's got the money and who's going to be able to push us on to that next level long-term, hopefully, and then sustain it. I think that leads nicely on to my next question, which is what what do you think makes Preston North End Football Club an attractive proposition to a potential new buyer? 
Um, been in the championship since 2015. Got a good young hungry manager with good contacts. Um, been close to the playoffs in the last few years. Loyal fan base that follows away from home very well. Um, don't think the supporters demand too much either. Um, realistic. Don't want £10 million signings. Just hard-working team to go and watch every week that will compete and a bit of passion um, a relatable team relatable sort of management um, which we've got at the minute so whoever comes in if someone does it's not a case of sort of ripping it all up and starting again it's just keeping the, the positive feeling going around the club and I don't think much needs to change really other than someone to be there like Trevor was um, uh, to sort of put the money in when, when required um, so yeah I think, like I said before, I think it's a great opportunity for somebody whoever comes in next. You know, decent training ground. Well, two decent training grounds, really, if you include Springies. Um, yeah, Springies might need a lick of paint, but I'm sure that can be worked on. You know, good setup, good coach that we probably need to keep hold of. Um, players are all right. Players are good. Yeah, some good good. Opportunity, it's just it's just a good setup in it, like for the the next one to come in, you know. And credit to to Trevor and everyone behind the scenes for getting it to where it is now. And just wants we just want it to be pushed on to that next level and like see what see what we could do, you know, because there is opportunities. I think we all we're all aware of that. You know, we're not the finished article, you know, and it's allows someone to come in and put their own little stance on it, but whilst maintaining the fundamental basics that make us the, the football club that we are. You know, I don't want to see us, uh, the next person coming in and changing their coach and all of a sudden bringing in his mate, you know, look at what, look at the situation at Hull. Good. Oh, they've, they've, uh, they've hit, hit the rocks is probably the best way to describe it. Um, you know, since obviously they changed ownership and then he thought, oh, I'll bring my, my mate over from, from Turkey. I know they beat Peterborough on Saturday, but come on, it's Peterborough. I mean, since before that, they've lost four and drew two. It's like mm, a bit of an issue there. So, yeah, interesting times. A chance to do something for the first time as well. Mm. Take a club up that's never been promoted. Can look at that and be scared of it or look at it the, the way Ryan Lowe's looking at it and sort of what a chance to go and give a great club like Preston um, a taste of the Premier League for the first time. Um, so, yeah, I think if you've got a passionate individual, um, I think they'd look at it that way. It's also a gamble, isn't it? Um, you know, of course, we are an attractive proposition and we would come out with that because we're, we're no offence supporters. We have the club at heart. But, you know, you've got to come in, you've got to be willing to lose money at first and you've got to, you've got to be patient. Um, and if if that person is, then I'm sure they'll flourish. If not, then you know, um, then we may start to worry. Yeah, I think the good thing is you don't have to pay a HMRC tax bill that's about twenty five million pound. A lot of other creditors when you're in administration, and you know, Derby are in sort of last chance saloon now, aren't they? Because nobody's willing to put up the money that um, they want to basically to buy the club. So the AFL have come out today and said we need an update from the administrators. 
might be waiting a while. And, you know, is Gentry Day going to happen at Derby? We, remains to be seen. What What do you make of the, the two people that are supposed, supposedly involved in the possible takeover bid with uh, Kirchner? Obviously, Paul Stratford, people know him as Wayne Rooney's agent, and then you've got Gary Cook, who might be less well-known, but has had a fairly decent career by all accounts. You know, worked for UFC, worked for Nike, heading up the Jordan brand, I think it was, and then obviously was involved at City when uh, Taksin Shinawatra took over. How much, how much do you look at those people and think they've got knowledge of, of football? I'm not saying Chris Kirchner doesn't, but obviously he's someone that isn't based in this country, hasn't been around the game, or you would imagine hasn't been around the game like those two have. How much do you think, how how important do you think those two people could be in uh, any potential takeover? Gary Cook's very interesting to me. Gary That's Cook once described Mark Hughes as the best young up-and-coming manager in the country when he left, was it Blackburn to City? I was about 45. Something like that. Mm. I just thought it was an interesting quote when I was reading up on his Wikipedia about two weeks ago, or a week ago. Life comes out of you fast. Yeah, I think it's it's good to have you know, he was involved at Wigan as well for a short period of time, really. so he's been around the game, he knows it, you know, sport, which is interesting. He obviously will have a lot of contacts, so if it's them three, it's them three, yeah. Well, you know, I don't really have much of an opinion until it's sort of it's confirmed, if that makes sense. Because at the minute, it's just one of these, oh, they're interested. You know, it, it could happen. Like the matter, I think they put a bit on the table whether the bid's been accepted or not. Um, we we don't know. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those really where we wait and see and see what happens sorry I've been really vague tonight no no it's it's one word that's come up a few times already tonight and uh, it's just complete conjecture isn't it yeah yeah I think unless you boys have got anything else you want to say about (laughs) takeover or curse everyone else is on silent and they're just chatting nonsense as usual and these two are just like sat in the dark and like like moles (laughs) Like <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I'll be honest, I'm absolutely petrified over it. But yeah, we'll see. Um yeah, Bournemouth, Saturday. The, another return of Ben Pearson. This will be the first time he's played in front of North End fans at Deepdale since he left, won't it? I think he'll be sat on the bench, but see well, what happens. Yeah, there's presuming he comes on obviously, but it'd be quite interesting to see what what reception he gets. You know, there were a lot of angry people when he did that interview with uh, with Bournemouth Press when he said that Dean Court's a nice ground. Is that what he said? He, he said something like that, didn't he? Bigger club, nice big, better players, all that. Yeah. All yeah. oh, the usual nonsense well, people say when they move club. Um, I've got a confession to make. I won't be there. Oh, here we go. Uh, it's like having Jay with us. I know. Nah, <laughs> I do attend home games. I um, I happen to be in the Caribbean. I was just going to say, is this, uh, is just, this your just, trip to just the Caribbean? Just by chance. 
Well, I've, I've, you know, it's not as if I'm, uh, you know, jumping ship to go and watch like this great sporting team. I think I think the national cricket team are an absolute mess. So, you know, I see, yeah. I see it as, um, as a bit of international duty, doing my bit for the cause and all that. So you're a hardy soul. On the other side. Yeah, having said that, I am flying idiot. into London. <laughs> uh, I am flying into London on the morning of Cardiff, so I will be at Cardiff. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Fair news. I can't wait, guys. I bet you can't. A bit of sun. Sun, sea, you make sand, of, um, and be, be all out by lunch. <laughs> and be what? Stuart. Being all out by lunch. Yeah, all out by lunch, that's for sure. Uh, no, Jimmy or Stuart. Oh, we can't get into this. Come on now. I'll, um, I will literally lose the plot on this podcast. We can't be doing that. Really upset about it, George. Leave it as that. Bournemouth. Um, uh, yeah, it feels like the season's sort of... I hope it just doesn't fade out. I hope we finish well, keep playing well. Um, they're going to be obviously up for it because they're well on for sort of promotion. And Just hope we give a good account of ourselves. We've not... Not had a win to celebrate at Deepdale for a while and be a tough test, won't it? But um, we did uh, gave them a good game down their place, beat them. Not really looked poor under low yet at all. I've been convincingly beaten. We've only lost at Swansea, so got to be quite confident going into it. Um, Reading not happen. Yeah. I was going to say, cross- George, are you forgetting Reading? George, he's, he's turned into a mole again. Yeah, just on Bournemouth. Yeah, um, yeah, oh, yeah all of it, apart from when you forgot about the Reading game. Oh, yeah. What's what? Um, yeah, I mean, aside from the fact that we weren't great against Reading, uh, I think you, you're spot on, to be fair, George. There's, and obviously, as we touched on in the first half, slow starters under low. Um, Jim, what, what's, George said in part one that he thinks that it might be by design that. What's, what's your take on it? The slow starts under low. George reckons that two goals in 15 first halves under Ryan Low is done by design. Discuss. Impossible. You don't go into a first half of football thinking, you know what, let's just get to half time nil nil and we'll kill him second half. I'm not having that. I just can't, I just can't, I just can't buy into that. I think setting up tight, yeah, I get. But we're creating chances first half. So it's not like it's not like we're sat there and thinking, oh, you know, we're just playing for a, a nil-nil at half time. But we're creating chances. We're just not taking them. I mean, Christ, you know, look at the the, the chances we've created in the past couple of games. You know, we've we're creating plenty of chances. We're just not putting them away. Um, I think you know, on talking about Saturday, you know, I mean, it's just going to be. I think it'll be an open game. You know. Bournemouth are conceding goals. People haven't realised. I think they've only kept one clean sheet in eight. They're conceding goals in every, pretty much every game. Like, and they're not exactly high-quality chances that they're conceding to either. Um, so I think it's a good opportunity for us. Yes, they've got a lot of quality in the team, obviously. like You only have to look at the squad and think... <sighs> it's one of those where you look at it and think, wow, you know... It's pretty much Pop and Mitch, a lot of the players you'd want in the championship at your football club. I mean, 
you know, Todd Cantwell coming from on loan from Norwich. You know, this is a kid that was talked about what 30, 35 million probably two years ago, if that. You know, and all of a sudden he's on loan at Bournemouth trying to, you know, restart his career in a way, you know, and get himself back going. You know, I like Sirik and Nembele that they got from Peterborough. He had a really good game at Deepdale for Peterborough early in the season. You know, Dominic Solanke they paid 25 million quid for. I mean... Nat Phillips on loan from Liverpool. Yeah, Nat Phillips. Obviously, they brought James Hill, didn't they, as well, from Fleetwood. They're just littered with quality, and it's it's one of those where you look at it and think, oh. I really like Philip Billing. I liked him when he played for Udersfield at North End. I thought, who the hell is this kid when he was about 17? I thought, like, he looks apart. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's one of those. But we said this going into the Bournemouth game, and... I remember chatting with Solly before we, when we were down at Dean Clark. Like, we can get something tonight, you know, because you just felt like it's North End. It's typical North End to go, to go into a game against a team that's second in the league, you know, that's pushing for promotion with all these games in hand on, on the teams in the playoffs and get something from the game, you know, because at the end of the day, what have we got to lose on Saturday? Absolute bugger all. We're, we're not going up, we're not going down. And it's like, why not try and take the game to him? Well, you know, have a, have a bit of a go. Have, try and score in the first half. That'd be a novel change, wouldn't it? Um, nice, wouldn't it? It would be really nice. Yeah, so, the way I look at it is that you can you can look at them and they've won the last three in the in the automatic promotion place with games and with games in hand on everyone around them, and you can be scared. You can go into your shell, or you can do what we've done for years since we've come back into the championship, which is look at them and think and go toe to toe with them and try and. Um, and try and compete with them. And it'd be quintessentially North End to get a result. It wouldn't surprise you one bit. It wouldn't surprise anybody. Um, Sorry, they'd, they'd um, won nine in ten when we went to Bournemouth. They'd won yeah. nine out of the last ten games. They'd won five on the bounce. They were unbeaten. And it's like, exactly. yeah, we'll get something tonight. As, as you've always said, Jim, stats are for Prats. So. I've never said that. <laughs> I've never said stats are for Prats. Someone that might sit with me may say that. But I would never say stats are for Prats. <laughs> On that note, boys, uh, what what's your predictions for Saturday? Could we celebrate a first half goal and a win? Not if we draw nil nil, we won't. <laughs> Bournemouth have won the last three and both teams have scored. I think we'll reverse it. I think we'll... I think we'll win and both teams will score. We're on the Super 6 this week. Uh, I've got 2-1 home win. 2-2. I've said mine, 0-0. Oh, are you sticking with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All oh, right, fair enough. I'm with Solly. I think we'll win 2-1. Yeah? yeah. Cheers, yeah, boys. Unless you've so. got anything else you want to say, anything you want to sign out on, um, then we can wrap up there. No, not really. Um... Cool. Yeah, I will, well, actually. <laughs> Go on. I will actually. I've got something to say. Uh, just on the weekend's game, that was one for the momentum maniacs, weren't it? North End score after 89 minutes. How on earth did Coventry manage to score in the 98? How did they wrestle that momentum back in in, in nine minutes? See you later, guys. North End were naive enough to give away a free kick in the 97th minute of the game. So exactly. Put the ball out into touch. Precisely, Jim. It's not, not momentum, is it? No. It's not no momentum. That wasn't momentum. It, that's just sport ebbing and flowing. Um, yeah, last last point from me is that this might become a more regular schedule. Obviously, anyone that follows me on Twitter knows that my missus is pregnant and I'm already getting grief about the weekends. So from next season at least, possibly before, we 
we will at some point be coming a Tuesday release pod, Monday night record, which is good for you boys. Well, good for you, Jim. But how can yeah. you get grief about your weekends? No, I've not, I'm starting to get grief about my weekends coming up. How you've not been to an away game all bloody season? <laughs> Oh, he's well happy with himself. People can't see, but Jimmy's fist pumping on. On that note, um, cheers, boys. See you later. See you later. That's one. Hi, this is Reese E, and you've been listening to From the Finney Podcast. And you can now hear our single, Wise Man. Find us on Spotify, iTunes, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and the town end. Peace and love. Oh